that's going up. Are you doing anything? Yes, you are. Right. Good morning then. And this is the second day and the second session, which is uh, flagged up as being in the wilderness by design or default, making sense of the journey and being intentional towards God. But I don't think we're going to go there just yet. Meditating on what Graham has just said, um, I just feel that all I need has got to constantly reinforce is that he is all we need. Our lives have got to be consumed with him. I cannot get away from the fact that in these days we can't play at church anymore. We can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. We get to decide what we're going to do. And like we said yesterday, those who know their God will be strong and do exploits. And so the word that God gives me, I hear Graham coming across full of the love of the Lord. I'm full of the love of the Lord, but I think also my message is far more uh, to do with the majesty and the supremacy of God and his victoriousness and Jesus coming soon. The whole thing is him, not me, him. And there's a, a prayer that um, those of you who know Graham's stuff, he tells you to craft words, which means to write them out, to think about them, write them out and use them um, in your devotional time, which I can't again stress enough, you'll only be as strong as the time that you set aside to be with God. You can't manage 10 minutes a day and think that you're going to be strong and do exploits, believe me. That we're in a time now where we have to, to learn to gather ourselves and to gain that inner territory that he was talking about, that place of rest. And the key is that God is all in all. He possesses us and we possess him because he is our inheritance. We are his, he is ours. We are in him, he is in us. The water's in the bottle and the bottle's in the water. And that's the way it is. But until we realise that we are in him and he is completely in us and the only thing that blocks one chasing a thousand is the unregained territory in our lives. Everything that is given over to our fleshly nature, our fallen nature, will trip us up in our race. I don't know whether it was yesterday or some other time we were talking about the marathon runners. I'm completely off my notes. The marathon runners, they used to, you know, strip down so they've got no clothes on at all. Uh, and they were oiled so that they would just fly through the air, really. And the uh, spectators would roll balls of gold in front of their feet to try to stop them. Because if that caught their eye, they would pick it up and carry it, which would slow them down. So they might have grasped this world's goods, but they wouldn't win the marathon because in grasping for that, bending down, stopping, picking it up, they got nowhere to stow it. They got to carry it and it would slow them down and so they would not run the race. This is why Paul is always speaking about so run as you might win. 
We have to set our minds to run to win, so that's something else. And we absolutely need to be totally given up to him. But what's the Westminster Catechism say? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We have so lost that, that our chief end is not our healing or our satisfaction or our salvation or anything that pertains to us. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. You know what Graham was saying about whatever you think about God will drive how you prophesy. It will drive your life. Each one of us has got to get him so deeply in us and know him in the way he wants to be known for us that it drives everything we do. I was frightened of this morning because I didn't know what was going to come out of my mouth. I feel like a pile driver. I feel there's such dunamos power in here that it, it, you know, the uh, the dunamos power that raised that Paul talks about in Ephesians, according to the working of His mighty power, which raised Christ Jesus from the dead and seated Him in heavenly places. That word is dunamos, and he mentions it so many times, which is where we get our dynamite from. And that dynamite power is within each one of us. So the only thing that is holding it in is like a cork in the bottle. The bottleneck is us, and often it's this. It's our mask, as Graham says, it's what's between your ears that gets in your way. So that's why you can't go with logic and reason. You have to go with intuition and the Spirit of God propelling you. When you see people like Philip and um, Elijah picked up his skirts and ran, the Spirit of God propelled them into what God had for them. They had no choice. They were propelled by the Spirit. So we can look at the enemy, but he is not our enemy. We look in the mirror and we have seen the enemy. So that's an old saying, isn't it? I've seen the enemy and he is us. We, we, our own persona is the enemy of the work that God wants to do in this. So in regaining our own inner territory, we like have to uh, stand against ourselves in all sorts of areas and say, no, I'm not having it. No, you're not doing that. Sarah will tell you about some of that. She's had the mother and father of a battle over something. Don't need to say what it is, but she's had a battle. And she has needed the saints behind her praying to bring her through. If we just said, oh, well, she'll come through God's nature, I don't know how long it would have been. But we've prayed for her that her faith fail not. These, these battles are allowed, as, as Graham said on one of the other CDs, that the, the enemy is his agent. He's God's agent to deal with situations, to make us strong. Uh, those things are there to strengthen us, to make us stand. So, apropos of nothing at all, I'm <laughs> just going to read you a couple of prayers because uh, that I crafted because um, one of the things that's laying on my heart is uh, John 5.30 and it's in the Amplified Bible and it is part of this prayer that I crafted in uh, January 2003 
Father, you've set aside a place in your heart for me. I ask that from this day on I will see with your eyes, hear with your ears, speak with your mouth, that I may dwell in that place inside your heart. It is from there that you will teach me what to say. I no longer want to see only with my natural eyes or hear only with my natural ears, but I seek your perspective on every situation. I want to hear only your heart, so that I can say with Jesus, I am able to do nothing of myself, but only as I am taught by God, and as I get his orders. Even as I hear, I judge. I decide as I am bidden to decide, as the voice comes to me, so I give a decision. I do not seek or consult my own will. I have no desire to do what is pleasing to myself, but only the pleasure and will of the Father. For Jesus' sake and in his name. And that's about becoming a father pleaser. He is pleased with you in the beloved. He accepts you in the beloved. beloved. But your decisions and your choices... Uh, whether they are what he... We were talking about it yesterday. It's our choices that are so, uh, so vital in this time because they will either bring us into our inheritance or they will stop us getting it. We'll have a look at inheritance perhaps later in the week. Um, so... So here's another prayer that I prayed, that I've crafted and I've plagiarised Graham's book. Some, those of you who have read it will recognise some of it, the, the divine, A Divine Confrontation. Father, you are altogether glorious. Everything you touch carries the fragrance and the passion of your manifest presence. You are wonderful, awe-inspiring and magnificent. You are kind-hearted, gracious, loving, good-natured and benevolent. You are generous, cordial, approachable and thoughtful. You are slow to anger and swift to bless the good, acknowledging the treasure and worth within us. You inspire confidence, renew our self-worth and put a smile on our hearts. You are captivating, beautiful and completely lovely. You are powerful and strong, a force to be reckoned with, a conqueror and an overcomer. You are a fierce and mighty warrior. The fear of you is the beginning of wisdom. Whatever you are, you are infinitely. It is impossible for you not to be everlasting, endless and eternal. You are the greatest, endless and eternal expression of goodness, kindness and grace. You are everlastingly kind and merciful and eternally loving. You love infinitely without boundaries. There is no end to your kindness. You are totally perfect, infinitely good and perfectly good. You are perfect love and grace. Your love is complete, wholesome and perfect. You are always loving because you are infinite and perfect. You are immutable. You never change. What you were, you are and will be. You have placed me in the one place where I can always get my needs met, 
where I can relate to you in all my changeableness. You put me into Christ so that his unchanging, infinite and perfect love can become a constant to me as I grow up in him. Thank you, Father, you're never indifferent. Your silence is just silence. You are never detached, aloof or unresponsive. Reflecting on your constancy and unchangeable nature makes me want to cry. You bring peace to me by your constancy. Thank you, Father, as I sink back into your rest and constancy, I know that all will be well, and all will be well, and all manner of things will be well. I can feel my heart settling down into you, into your eternal, unchanging nature of goodness, faithfulness, and love. I find a safety in your arms I could never have imagined, a place where I can leave all my cares and concerns safely because you are infinitely more concerned about them than I and you have the solution to them all. What joy, what confidence, what radiant satisfaction to be in the place where all my needs are met and my heart is filled afresh with the bounty of you. You withhold nothing of yourself from me. Grant me, Father, to withhold nothing of myself from you. It's a declaration, really, as well as uh, a eulogy. I've asked him that I might write eulogies to him to respond to what he does and is for me. I truly don't know where we're going to go this morning. I'm probably likely to dodge all over the place. Um, I wanted to do a review, really, of what we did yesterday, so I shall probably do that. You have to forgive me. When I start to, to worship God and to pray prayers like that, emotion uh, comes because he touches my heart. And as we found yesterday, it's all about the issue of the heart and the nature of God and it's so vital that we commit our whole selves to him and not just a part of it for the times that we're living in really um, I started yesterday with a, an interesting statement that I'd heard um, Never submit yourself to a leadership that doesn't have a greater vision for your life than you have for your own. And I think that's something that uh, you know we do well to just write down because many of us have actually submitted ourselves to a leadership that is not going anywhere. Uh, and I'm not criticising anyone, but there is a change in what God is doing in the church. Uh, we're not going to be any longer an audience sitting there waiting to, to be uh, entertained. God is doing something in these days that will enliven and enlighten the whole body of Christ so that the whole body of Christ becomes vibrant and steps into the place that God intended for them. We have come into a totally new season in God. It's scary, uh, but we have, and we've got to begin to walk in it.
it's so funny because God is so, he's got such a sense of humour. I prepare all this stuff and then it all goes skewiff. <laughs> what I prepared for this morning was, good morning. Having established our goal, have we? We are looking at some diversions we may encounter along the way, in the wilderness by design or default. Uh, the scripture we will be looking at at some stage, hopefully, is Exodus 23:20. 20, uh, to 20 to Exodus 23, 20 to 27. Behold, I send an angel before you to keep and guard you on the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Give heed to him, listen and obey his voice. Be not rebellious before him or provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But if you will indeed listen and obey his voice and all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. God is committed to bringing us to the place he has prepared. And what we might be looking at in a minute is that sometimes though we miss the route and find ourselves in the wilderness by default. And we're not alone though, he's always there. So this day is really about getting our compass bearings. Are we on God's track or ours? And I thought it was really quite funny because there's a snail as the... So what speed are you travelling at? Would you like to take one and pass it on? I hope there's enough. Okay. Do not be distracted, distracted, beloved. So just to sort of uh, recap a bit on yesterday before we start to look at... Um, where we're going today it's really imperative that we learn to slow down inside and hear him and relate to him and begin to learn to live from the inside out finding that inner place of peace and rest because that's our inheritance the stillness and rest that is in the heart of God is for you so we're learning to lay down everything, thoughts, words, actions, and seek only him and his kingdom, which is within us. And we're learning that this is about displacement, getting rid of the rubbish so that the Holy Spirit can occupy more space. As I've already said, he can't fill us while we've got our stuff in the way. Derek Prince describes it as uh, our minds and our heads like a cork in the bottle. Uh, that we have to get that cork out of the way so that we can pour the rubbish out for a start and let God pour the good stuff in. So we're making determinations to cooperate with him and change the way we think. We're learning to put him first before anything else and this is kingdom living. This is coming into your inheritance. So just recapping where we went yesterday. The week's about taking quality time to be with God, switching off from all things that distract and concentrating on hearing and responding to him. It's focused on the nature of God and the kingdom and our right responses which will regain our inner territory. It's about stopping the world and getting off. It's about seeing, as we saw yesterday, everything in the world and maybe we have held dear has no eternal significance. 
and only that which is born of his spirit will last. Everything else is perishable and it's built on sand. It may look good, uh, but when the bulldozer of God's agenda comes along, you'll find that it's built on sand. It's about getting our priorities right, seeking first and only the kingdom and his righteousness, and I make no apologies for pressing this. None at all. The hour is so short, we must focus on eternal things and not on the things of the world. For the fashion of the world and the fashion thereof is perishing, that's uh, the old King James. 1 John 2.17 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And Paul said in 2 Timothy, Demas has deserted us having loved this present world. That's 2 Timothy 4.10 if you want to look at it. So it's a time to slow down, reflect and review where you are on your journey into the heart of God and it's a time to make mid-course corrections. It's so important to learn stillness. And People talk about fasting and it occurred to me the other day, how about fasting from talking to anyone but him? How difficult would it be for you to switch off your mobile phone and not speak to anyone for 24 hours? How much are you driven to fill every waking moment with noise and people? It's just something to think about. I'm not pointing the finger at anything or anyone but it's just what came to me this morning how difficult do you find it to be silent for 10 minutes an hour even if you're in the same room as someone else can you maintain silence or do you have to speak in that first session yesterday we looked towards the goal where we're headed higher deeper further into the heart of God and I talked about riding a horse and how when you're horse riding, you look where you're going, you don't look up. The horse might be taking you there, but you want to go round there. So you're looking at where you're going and making the horse move in the direction that you want to go. Absolute surrender, we talked about that. Um, I recommended Reese Howell's Intercessor as a book to read and A Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. Anything by Tozer is absolutely excellent. And Absolute Surrender by Andrew Murray. And we saw that it's about his agenda for each person. I know I'm covering what we did yesterday, but some people weren't here yesterday, and so I want them to know where, where we came from so that we get here. It's about coming into alignment and doing the works he has prepared for you to do from the foundation of the earth. And one of the scriptures we used yesterday was, fill your horn with oil, then go. And the reason you're here this week is to fill your horn with oil and learn new ways of relating to him, which you can apply. That's the bags that were hung on the back of the post office van <laughs> daily as you journey into the heart of God. So recapping on what we said about regaining our inner territory, the purpose of regaining is that we might be effective in the kingdom. 
To hear a message, be interested in its content or challenged by it is not necessary to learn or apply it. As I said yesterday, I hear many people who say, oh, I was so challenged. But did you respond? That's the important thing. Joyce said to me, to be challenged is to be called to account. You remember when they used to challenge them, who got halt, who goes there? They challenged who it was and they had to speak about who they were and, and identify themselves. So we must become doers uh, and not hearers only. All we'll have is full notebooks and that's ever so easy. So I know that yesterday I probably left you reeling if you took any of it in, really, because we were challenged about what our inner territory was filled with, what consumed our thinking, what we spent most time thinking about. Uh, hopefully we identified this because I did give you an opportunity to do that. And I also asked where your mind came to rest, what occupied it when it went to its default. And if it didn't come to the default position of thinking about Jesus, we had some inner territory which needed to be regained. As I've already said, we saw that if we've been building our own agenda, building on sand and not on rock, the bulldozer of God's agenda would likely flatten our sandcastles that we've been busy building. And then we looked at wholehearted or half-hearted, and the three keys to wholeheartedness, or three of the keys, were giving our whole heart to him, following hard after him and worship as a lifestyle. And we ended up with that uh, little prayer when we looked at, about uh, Abraham and the sacrifice of Isaac from um, A.W. Tozer's book, In the Pursuit of God, referring to letting go of all our precious bits. Um, Tozer said, if he will become drastic enough, he can shorten the time of his travail from years to minutes and enter the good land long before his slower brethren, who coddle their feelings and insist upon caution in their dealings with God. If we would indeed know God in growing intimacy, we must go this way of renunciation. If we are really set upon the pursuit of God, he will sooner or later bring us to this test. At that testing place there will be no dozen possible choices for us, just one alternative but our whole future will be governed or conditioned by the choice we make. And then we listen to the... We, actually, a lot of us prayed the prayer. Father, I want to know you, but my cowardly heart fears to give up its toys. I cannot part with them without inward bleeding, and I do not try to hide from you the terror of their parting. I come trembling, but I do come. Please root out of my heart all those things which I have cherished for so long and which have become a part of my very living self so that you may enter and dwell there without rival. If you've prayed that prayer, you can expect the sky to fall in, probably. But actually, it won't be the enemy, it'll be God, so that's good. Sorry, I'm rustling paper again, Jean. I just want to read something that Lola actually gave me, and she made reference to it yesterday when we met in Honison Car Park. Um, on the this was dated the 19th of March. 
I've headed it up church in deconstruct individual and corporate because that's what's going on the church is in deconstruct right now everything that we've held dear and, and put on pedestals and one thing and another God is just he's knocking it down if it's not of him it will go uh, and uh, the scripture that comes into my mind was one that we had yesterday it's in Jeremiah I think that not the wise man glory in his wisdom nor the rich man glory in his wealth but let him who glories glory in this that he knows and understands me this is the time that we're in that he knows and understands me so this is the word that Lola got the first impression that I had was that father was taking us lower not to abase us but that we might abound breaking us out of the mould or cast that we built up around ourselves as individuals. I saw it as plaster of Paris and people totally encased. Father is bringing us to a place of desperation where we can no longer depend on our good ideas or opinions because nothing works and we cannot fix it in our own strength. Because what he is building is not of the soul, man's idea or imaginations of how church should be, but out of the spirit, that which breaks every bondage, passes through every denominational barrier, bypasses our understanding, and yet connects deeply with our spirit. Father is aligning our hearts and minds and spirits with his way of doing things. We are not free, nor have we reached freedom in Christ, until we are truly laid down on the altar at the foot of the cross or whatever is the place of unconditional surrender for you as an individual our right to choose to have things as we want them have things our way those things that are founded on past experience what works what doesn't and this is the way it ought to be because this is what I'm used to or is this is the way it's always been done or what suits me best we have to move away from how will this affect me, myself and I to how will what we are doing benefit the gospel of Jesus Christ and further the kingdom here on earth. I'll stop there for a moment but it's interesting you see God didn't remind me of this word. We spoke of it yesterday and then I just put it on the shelf and when I was just soaking before I came down here he suddenly reminded me of this word and it has all the elements of what he's been telling me to bring forth here so the spirit is saying the same thing to the church we can do these things as we are truly willing to surrender all that we know as church all that is familiar to us and truly let Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit be the foundation stone on which we build. We are here to serve the Father and the Son through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, not serve ourselves. At the moment we are like Isaiah 6 verse 8. We are hearing but not hearing, seeing but not seeing. But we will, because Father is pruning, cutting back, peeling away the layers of our self-sufficiency until in our weakness we cry out not just as I but as individuals but as a body Father we can't but you can Jesus will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it then out of the ashes we shall rise up as a one new man a body united in Christ 
willing to lay down our lives for one another and the sake of the gospel, crying with one voice, Not my will, but yours be done, Father. Father is building his church, a church without walls, a body of people that are so in tune with him and one another that where they live geographically, worship physically, will not be of any account because the same love that is in him will be in them. He wants to and has begun this work in us. Teething problems and discomfort are part of the process. Part of the change Father is bringing about that we might be transformed by the renewing of our minds into alignment and agreement with his plans and purposes. Nothing will work that is not of him. You can't soften it, you see. If you try to soften it, you take the edge off what the Spirit is saying uh, and the church won't hear. We need our ears circumcised. We need to be able to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches and to run with what he's doing. Um, I just think I'll give you ten minutes or half an hour or whatever now for the moment. then by design or default one way or the other you'll end up in the wilderness either taken there as Jesus was or wandering there and Joshua I want to start with now Joshua 5.13 and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand, and Joshua went to him and said, Do me for us or our adversaries? So he said, No. As I said yesterday, neither. I'm the captain of the Lord's host, or as Graham Cook would say, when he comes, he doesn't come to take sides. And God is, as we just discovered, meeting his church head on right now. And many who have fled to the wilderness to escape him are finding that he's fight right there beside them. Others are being led there to humble them and prove them and to see what is in their hearts. And still others are being led as Jesus was by the Spirit of God into a wilderness to be alone with him. God lovingly means business with us. A divine confrontation is taking place in the church. Uh, you can stand on the side if you like, but you'll miss the experience of knowing the Lord of Sabaoth, the Lord of Hosts, is his name, the Captain of the Army of God. And we are in, as I keep saying, a profound season of choices, beloved. I am convinced there is a place in God where he wants to take us, where we see our desire upon our enemies. And I do not mean people. I'm also convinced that there will be a progressive unveiling of the majesty of the Lord Jesus as a man of war. 
as we go into the last days uh, in his church will be a bride who will just as soon as Graham would say kick you as kiss you and many of you uh, some don't like the way it's shaping up um, don't like what the message that's coming across um, and I was going to say this was yet, uh, what I wanted to say yesterday feel free to leave if you wish there is absolutely no pressure on you to stay, but uh, Graham Cook, uh, a few years ago, issued a challenge at church on the way, and apparently people began to leave at the end of the session, and uh, he said, you can go if you like, but just remember, you had the opportunity, but I don't think he was quite as kind as that. He said, on that day, when Jesus will say to you, why did you walk out at that point? And suddenly I think there was a rush to the front because everybody realised. Um, he only went a couple of times, but I think he stood them back on, the, on their ears when he did go. Uh, but this is it. You have the opportunity. Um, as, as I was saying about warfare, you don't have to be in warfare, but you will miss so much. Not only your inheritance, because God's got a plan for you, and it actually includes everything that he is. Because he is your inheritance. In 1994, uh, Francis Frangipane, or Frangipani, however you pronounce it, his name's Bread, isn't it? And he's married to a lady whose name was Fish. So between the two of them, they had the bread and the fishes. Did you, <laughs> did you know that? <laughs> yes. He wrote a book called The Three Battlegrounds, which was about the mind, the church, and the heavenly places. Um, and in it, he wrote to the Lord whose sword is drawn, and he said this, Will you recognize Jesus when he comes? There is something about the time, just prior to a move of God, that causes many to wonder if the Lord is for them or against them. He seems confrontational, too intense, too different from the one we learn to trust. Yet during these last few years, this is exactly the situation in the Lord's relationship with the church. The Lord has stood before us with his sword drawn. Perhaps you've been through a time where the tip of Christ's sword seemed aimed straight at your heart. Let me reassure you, God is for you. In fact, it is his express purpose to release this same sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, Ephesians 6.17, through your words and prayers. But before the Lord's soul will come through your mouth, it must first pass through your heart. God must confront the stronghold of fear within us before we can be effective against the enemy. Currently we are a pampered, undisciplined people who have not understood the day of warfare that looms before us. And I, though that was written in 1994, I feel it's absolutely current for now. For me, this is the now we are at, uh, that we do not understand and we're pampered and undisciplined and we do not understand the day of warfare that looms before us. And because God loves us, he's taking some of us into the wilderness, or as Graham would say, taking us behind the woodshed to spank our bottoms and wake us up because it's his love that does this. He does not want us to be mincemeat for the enemy on that day. He wants us to be part of his army, taking up the place. I said to someone recently, and I can't remember now who it was, 
Yes, I can, but I'm not going to divulge who it was. They were saying, that's it, I've had enough, I've given up. I'm, um, you know, jumping ship. I said, that's ever so fine, but you're actually designated as a warrior. And that means that if you go, we've got to close ranks and fill your place. So those of us that are left behind have got worked twice as hard to fill the gap that you're just proposing to jump because you're proposing to jump ship. So those of you that have a warrior anointing on your life, it is a serious thing. If you are a general in God's army, he's going to start shaping you up to come into that which he has spoken over you. Um, Joyce, the other night, we were talking about being... and She said, I never remembered the last part of it. Kiss me goodnight, Sergeant Major. Tuck me in my little wooden bed. <laughs> There's another bit to it, something about missing being at home and his mum always tucked him in. I said, can you imagine it? Saying, kiss me goodnight, Sergeant Major. I mean, we all know what a Sergeant Major's like. And I said, sometimes I feel like that Sergeant Major, you know. Tuck me in my little wooden bed. So, as a church, we've known the Lord as our Saviour and our Shepherd, but it's time for a fresh revelation of his nature. And this revelation is startlingly different from how we've known him hitherto. Now he comes to us with a drawn sword and the shout of war on his lips. John on the Isle of Patmos experienced the same thing as the one on whose breast his lady's head caused him to fall down and in Revelation 1.17, we saw it on Saturday, I fell at his feet as dead. When I asked the Lord about how I m m mingled the Father Heart teaching with the message that he was giving me, which was right, I said to him, well, am I out of sync here? He said, no, it's all. I am both. Because we cannot stay in Father Heart teaching forever. We, once our hearts are healed and we understand who he is, we are then expected to go on to be disciples. And there's very few disciples in the body of Christ. You, if you have a look, you'll see there are followers, believers and disciples. Which category are you in? Maybe you like to think about it. The followers dropped away from that time they did not walk with him any longer and Jesus said to the disciples in John are you going as well because he was bringing a strong word he brings a hard word to us um, I wanted to read something actually from 